We didn't plan it that way, but it feels that way. Did anyone wake up like exactly the same time today, but it was the old whatever? Like I was up at 5.30 this morning, and it was 6.30. You know what I mean. So it's like time travel. Yeah, it's weird. So that has nothing to do with today's message. Sorry. Uh, blessed. Yes, we're in this series called Blessed. And uh, I'm really excited to get to, to share with you today. If I have not met you, my name's Mark Porter. I'm the uh, executive pastor here at Live Oak. And um, we're going to be in the book of Psalms today. Actually, Psalm chapter 1. And so uh, if you have your Bible, you can find it. It's right in the middle. But what I want to do is kind of summarize where Doug took us last week. And basically this idea of being blessed, sometimes we misdefine it or misunderstand it. We think it means comfort or prosperity or all these kind of things. But this is the working definition that we uh, are, are using during this series. The blessed life is a life that is to your advantage. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's always comfortable. Doesn't mean it's always quickest. But what Jesus said is the blessed life is the life, if you will trust me, it'll be to your advantage. In your parenting, right? In your friendships, in your school, at your work, in your finances, all areas of your life. And Jesus used these words to describe someone who was blessed in the Sermon on the Mount. Doug talked about this last week. Believe it or not, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit. If, you're, if you mourn, these are characteristics that should flow out of our lives. If we're meek, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted. Wow, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But what Jesus is saying is if you're persecuted, it probably means you're living your life right. And so we should expect some pushback on that. Now, the first century church is nothing like the church in America, for sure. The persecutions they endured, even persecutions that Christians endure in other parts of the world. But you may experience some ridicule. You may experience some folks who are just think you're old-fashioned. You should expect some pushback if you are pursuing the blessed life, a life that is to your advantage. And we're going to look in Psalm chapter 1 today, like I said. And here's what I want you to hear is that Psalm chapter 1, there's 150 Psalms. And Psalm chapter 1 was not just picked because, hey, it's six verses. It's short. We'll just make that the first Psalm. No, it was very, very intentionally chosen. It really sets the table for all of the Psalms. And it, it, it kind of sets uh, a vision and a challenge. It, it really sets the table. It's the gateway to the Psalms. And it asks the leader, or the, it asks the leader, the listener and the reader, to take some action. And before we jump in, here's basically what the psalmist is saying in Psalms chapter 1. He's, he, he, he's challenging us to listen. God is communicating to me and to you this morning. And the question is, will we listen? Not just hear it, but really listen and internalize it. Because that's the challenge of, of this psalm. And it sets the table for the rest of the book of Psalms. And I would argue even for scripture. God is revealing something and he wants us to respond. And in fact, the first part of the, the first uh, verses of Psalm uh, chapter 1, the the very first verse is really like a caution statement. The way the, the language is set up in the Hebrew, the way it's set up grammatically, is it's a positive exhortation with a negative example. And so the hearers, the listeners of this psalm would have 
kind of, it would have drawn their attention. Now that's lost on us. And so I want you to think about if you're driving down the loop and there's these big orange cones or big orange barrels and there's flashing lights, um, you would slow down. You would pay attention. Will you pay attention today? Because there's a big beware statement, a big caution statement, a big warning statement, a big, hey, don't touch, it's high voltage. Hey, pay attention to this. Look out this morning for us. God's speaking. Will we listen? So what is this statement? What is this uh, caution that the psalmist says? Well, let's look at it. It says this, Psalm chapter 1. Verse 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Positive exhortation, blessed is the one who doesn't do this. But blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Here's what the psalmist is saying before we kind of dive into this. You really have two choices. There's really just two paths. You can turn your face toward God and follow his way. Or you can choose to turn your back and go a different way. Now, we live in a world where it's a lot of gray and the lines are blurred. And hey, is that really what it? Two paths. The psalmist makes it clear there's really just two paths. To follow the guidelines the laws, the statutes, the, the way that it will be the blessed life, that it would be to your advantage if you would do life this way is what the psalmist is saying. Or you can turn your back on God. We need to pay attention to these verses. Now there's a progression here in the first verse of these verbs. I want to talk about these verbs, these three verbs, walk, stand, and sit for just a second. There's three verbs and three nouns associated with them. The first one says, the blessed is the one who does not walk, who does not walk and step with the wicked. Now let's talk about what is the wicked? What does that mean? Well, in the Hebrew culture, if you committed a crime, let's say I stole from you, okay? Let's say I stole from you and, we, and you said, hey, Mark stole from me and we went to court. They would rule and they would rule in our, in our courts, we'd say innocent or guilty, right? But in their society, you were, you were proclaimed either wicked or righteous. And it wasn't just in the court of law. Like they'd go out into the public and say, Mark is wicked. Somebody murmur amen somewhere? <laughs> you did something wrong. You made a bad decision. Basically, to walk in step with the wicked, that is to be focused on that culture, on that lifestyle, to take their advice, to follow their example, we begin to walk with the wicked, to hang out with them is what we would say. Maybe we begin to care less a little bit more about the things of God and care more about what other people are doing. So we're focused on the way of the wicked. Then we stand in the way of the sinners. Now, what's a sinner? We use that a lot here, or a lot. We use it, it's a churchy word, right? In the Greek, sin means to miss the mark. But in this Hebrew, because we're all sinners, we all mess up. That's why we need the grace and love of Jesus, his forgiveness, his mercy. Okay, so let's just acknowledge it. We're all sinners. We all mess up. But this is not in that context. It is someone who habitually chooses a life of crime. 
A habitual choice of rejection, of choosing the wrong path. Now, when I was like four or five years old, can't remember exactly, I stole a pack of gum from the grocery store. Wow, that's quite the response. I mean, they're right there, right? I mean, they're right there. I told my mom, I wanted this gum, I want this gum. She said, no, and I took it. Sinned. I was busted. Grocery store busted me. They cuffed and stuffed me, took me downtown. No, they didn't do that. I had to give it back, and I was crying, and it scarred me. Okay, that's sin, right? Made a mistake. I am, but I'm not a habitual thief, okay? That's what this is talking about, someone who lives a life of crime. See, first we're focused on the way of the wicked. Then we're immersed in the culture. Let's get real practical. Adults. Kids, students, listen up. We kind of take the mentality of, well, everyone else is doing it. Everyone kind of cheats on their expense reports. I can't, ex- you know, everyone's not faithful to their spouse when they're out of town. I mean, everybody else was smoking it, so I just smoked it too. Or everybody else talks like that in the locker room, so I'll just talk like that too. Or they're talking about her, so I'll assassinate her character also. You're immersed in the culture. And what God is saying is it'll go better for you if you will choose his path. We're focused. We walk. We're immersed. We stand. And then it says, and then we sit in the company of mockers. A mocker is someone who doesn't just act sinfully, but who actively seeks and expresses disdain for God and for right living. They ridicule, belittle, even undermine those of, who would pursue the things of God. They reject, ridicule, belittle, undermine those trying to choose the right things. And it says... See, the progression, you walk, you're focused, then you stand, you're immersed, and then you sit. And the word here literally translates, and this should scare you. Caution, beware, pay attention. That's what the psalmist is saying. It means to take up residence, to live in the neighborhood. And it's a subtle drift. Pay attention. We have to pay attention. We tell students this all the time, but it's true of adults as well. You become who you hang out with. You become who you hang out with. You become what you engage, where you spend your time, where you engage your mind visually, audibly, tangibly. You become who you hang out with. Be very, very aware where you're walking, standing, and sitting. The psalmist is saying, pay attention. You've got two paths, a path of of putting your face toward God and following his way. It is to your advantage. Relationally, financially, vocationally, sexually, all these ways. It's better. It'll go better for you. And it's to your advantage to do it this way. Is it easier? No. Is it more comfortable? Not always. Am I going to make more money? That's not the promise. But it is to your advantage.
Here's the thing. Some of you need to hear this morning. You need to move. You have taken up residence with someone or something. Or you've got some someones around you. That are sending you down a path. That is not going to lead to a good place. And you need to move out. You need to move to a new neighborhood. You need to get some new friends. You need to sever some relationships. You need to stop doing certain things and start doing some new things. You need to move to a new neighborhood. Now we moved, anybody moved like in the last year or whatever? We moved about uh, two and a half, three years ago. Now look, this is not scriptural, but I'm convinced of it. That is what hell is like, okay? You just pack up your stuff. You move it, probably in the West Texas wind and heat or a rainstorm, and then you unpack it, and then you pack it again and move for eternity. That right there is enough reason to follow Jesus, right? Amen? But seriously, what do you do when you move? First of all, you begin to pull stuff out, all this junk that's in your closet or under the bed, and you're like, why do we have this? This, doesn't, this is doing nothing for me. We purge, we throw stuff away, we sell stuff. And then we find out who our real friends are. They're like, I'm out of town, man. I'm sorry, I can't help you out, right? Some of you need to move. I'm not trying to make light of it, but you need to move. You need to throw some stuff away. You need to purge some relationships. You need to purge some habits, and you need to get some new friends, some new neighbors, some new influences on your life. I'm convinced this morning that is what you need to hear. Somebody in here needs to hear that. It's funny that these words were written thousands of years ago, and really the human condition has not changed. Right? And we don't drift to a good place. You're going to have to be intentional about your relationships. Here's the good news, though. It says in verse 2, But those who delight, that is to have joy in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. What does that mean? Delight. To have joy. Just in connecting to God's Word, there is a benefit to you by connecting to God's Word. And it doesn't mean like law, like, hey, here's the rules, here's the rules, here's the rules. It's more about following God. He's like, hey, here's the guardrails. Like, if you'll you'll drive, you know, within the lines, it'll go better for you. It is going to be to your advantage. If you'll go the speed limit, if you'll do the things that I've called you to do in your finances, in your relationships, it'll go better. And to meditate is not like Eastern mysticism, like God created meditation. The word means to ponder and reflect, to like internalize, to let it take root, to let it change you, to meditate. And day and night is not hyperbole. It's not over-exaggeration. It should be something that we do consistently and habitually because here's the thing. You're in, the, you're in a battle. You're in the battle for your attention. And you're either being influenced or, be, or influencing. And the things you take in and the people you spend time with and the things you read and how you engage your mind are influencing you. Influence the true, be influenced by the truth and love of a God who is crazy about you and who wants to give you the blessed life if you will trust him. If you're doing the reading plan Uh, we we do a reading plan for every series. This week, you're going to read in Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Psalms. And it's broken up for you. Psalm 119 says this, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. Listen, listen, listen. 
who walk according to the law of the Lord. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. You have a choice to follow the path of the wicked or to follow the path of God. He wants to bless you. But you've got a part in that. You've got to make a choice. And he says, seek me. Jesus said it this way, right? There's, he made it real simple. Greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul. Pursue him actively. Don't follow the way of the wicked. Let me stop because some of you may be asking the question, well, Mark, I thought we were called to be a light to the world and to influence our friends that are far from Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we we see stories of Jesus interacting with people who are rejected because they're sinners, because they're tax collectors, because of some of the choices they, they have made. The adulterous woman or whatever it is. But Jesus never identified with their lifestyle. He met them where they were. He communicated his love for them, his grace for them, and said, I have a better path for you and called them to a new life. Some of you know the, the story of the woman of the well. She was adulterous. She'd, she'd been with seven different men. And he said, he, he confronted her where she was and he basically he offered her, he told her, I, I will give you living water. I'll give you a new life. And he told her, go and sin no more. We are called to do the same. So what happens if we choose one path or the other path? Well, I'm glad you asked because verses 3 and 4 basically says, this is what it'll look like. This is how it's going to play out. That person, the blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Again, negative example. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And I don't know if it's chaff or chaff. I don't know. Does anybody know what that is? It's like a husk. So this is a, an agrarian society, an agricultural society, right? And so, that's agrarian. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. When the grain grows, the husk is pressed out like this. And the grain is where the nutrition is. It's where the good stuff is. But it's all connected. So how did they separate it? Well, they put them in these big, basically shallow bowls that were flat. And they would throw them up like this. And what would happen is the grain would come down and the shaft would just blow away. There was nothing to anchor it. It had no value, no nutritional value to it. Sometimes in scripture, it talks about burning it up. It was really useless. And he says, that's the way you're headed when you walk with the wicked. There's no anchor. There's no root. There's nothing to hold you. When the wind blows, you're going to be blown this way and that. Contrast that with the person is like a tree. Look at the word. This is important. Planted. A tree that is planted by the streams of water. 
which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The tree was planted. This was not a random act. It was something that was intentionally done. We have a, we have a garden in our backyard that we made and, and we, we plant tomatoes and squash and peppers this year and it takes work. Like you've got to till the soil and you've got to uh, fertilize and you've got to water and you've got to keep the bugs off and you've got to put cages around the tomatoes or they fall over. But guess what? It produces fruit. And we got the benefit of that. But it takes work. It takes effort. It takes participation. And what this says is that this, this tree was planted by streams of water where it could get nourishment, where it could grow deep, deep, deep into the soil. And it benefits the tree for sure, but also will benefit others. And for some of you, what you need to hear today is that God wants to do something amazing in your life if you allow the roots to go deep, deep, deep into his love. You need to experience his grace, grace, his transformation. And you have no idea how he might want to use you to bless someone else. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he wants to use you. Now, when I show you all a picture, because I don't know if you all know what these look like. This is a tree. We don't have many of those around here. Okay. And this is a tree. Actually, it's a live oak tree. And it's called Big Tree. Creative name. Uh, It's possibly the oldest live oak in existence in the world. Some debate about that. It is uh, about 35 feet in circumference, 45 feet tall. The crown spread is about 90 feet. It's estimated that it's 1,000 to 2,000 years old. So most of y'all weren't born, right, when it was planted, right? It's old. Think about that. This tree may have been around since the time of Jesus. It's located in Rockport, Texas. Some of you may remember that name because it got hammered during Hurricane Harvey. This tree was unscathed, strong. Scientists estimate, can you go to that next slide for me? Scientists estimate that this tree, and look how thick that stump is, the base of it. It's got deep roots. Scientists estimate that it has survived 40 to 50 major hurricanes and one naval bombardment by the Union during the Civil War. The town of Lamar was wiped out. This tree stayed. Here's what you need to hear today. Storms of life are coming. We live in a broken world. And for some of you, you, gotta, you need to plant and you need to let the roots of, go deep, deep, deep. The root of your heart and your mind into the love and truth of God. That tree grew from this. This is an acorn. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a decade didn't happen in a year. It took time. It took intentionality. Day and night, meditating on the word of God. For your heart to change so that you are influenced by him. 
And it says that in this verse that you will prosper. It doesn't mean you'll make more money or be more comfortable. But the word prosper here literally means to come to maturity. To be strengthened. To have endurance. To be capable. It doesn't mean there won't be pain. It doesn't mean there won't be disappointment. But during those times, those roots that you allow to grow deep, deep, deep into the love and grace and truth of God will hold you stable, will allow you to endure the storm. The stability of your identity, of your security, a firmness in the love of God that he's got you. And then the psalmist, as he closes out in the last two verses, basically says, "If you here's, here's what your life would look like if you choose the things of God. And then he says, this is how it's going to look in the end. Like, this is the destination. These are the consequences of the two paths. He says, first of all, therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Basically what he's saying is this. It's not that he rejects you, but if you continually turn your back on God and pursue the things that are not of him, that you will end up in territory, that you will end up in places that are outside of his family. You'll end up in places where God is absent. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he's not pursuing you. It doesn't mean he's not, he doesn't want you to come back. But ultimately, God is going to allow us to make our own choices. Do you want to choose the life, the blessed life, the life that is to your advantage? Or a life where he is absent. It'll go better. It is to our advantage. Financially, vocationally, relationally, sexually. All these ways. God said this is the blessed life. And it says. The Lord watches over. The way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So watch it over here means to know. He knows the way of the righteous. And and knowing something in the Hebrew was not so much about an intellectual knowledge. It was relationship plus experience. Relationship plus experience. I have a relationship over time and through experience. I learned to, in a word, it's this, trust. Trust God. The blessed life ultimately means we're going to have to trust God. And maybe it's a small step, but it's a step. I've been married to my wife for 18 years. I trust her. We have a relationship. I know she wants what's best for me, for my family, for this church, for the community, for the world. I trust her with our finances, with all areas. And when she corrects me and rebukes me, why are y'all laughing? It never happens, no. I don't like it, but I listen because I trust her. Will you trust God? Will you meditate on his perfect law and word? Will you trust him? He wants what's best for you. He knows what's to your advantage. Will you trust him? Because ultimately, and if you're writing down notes... Trust is a verb. 
The blessed life is a verb. It requires action. Trust ultimately is required. Trust is required for the blessed life. It doesn't mean we always like it. Doesn't mean it's always comfortable. Doesn't mean it's always the preferred way or the easy way. But the blessed life is a life in which we trust God. Basically, I can sum up Psalm 1 in two words. Hear and do. Hear and do. That's what the psalmist is saying. He says, hear what I'm saying to you. Beware, be cautious. You're going to be influenced one way or another. Don't choose the path of the wicked or the sinner or the mocker. Choose the path of a God who is crazy about you, who wants what's best for you. It is to your advantage. Will you hear and do? Blessed is the doer. Not to get God's attention, not to get his affection. You have it. But because he wants what's best for you. It'll be to your advantage. Hear and do. That's how you sum up this whole psalm. You're like, why didn't you just start that way? It would have been done already. Right? Here's the way I think about this. Big news in our house in the last couple weeks. This is my son Luke. Uh, He got his driver's license. Right? 16. Pray for us. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. He's a good driver. This is, uh, now we did driver's ed, and uh, back in my day, you had to go to a class, but we did this parent-trained driver's ed. Some of y'all have heard of this, right? But for those of you who don't, don't, you do all the classwork online, which he did great. He aced it. And then you have to do a certain number of hours of parent-taught driving. So you got to drive at night, and you got to park, and you got to back up, and all this, right? So here's the thing. Luke did great right, on the, on, the knowledge, on the internet part. Passed all of his tests. He had the knowledge. But I didn't just throw him the keys and say, hey, you aced your test. You're ready to drive. No. Practically, he had to do it. He had to have the experience through a trusted relationship. And I can remember us starting out driving. We went to the Kmart parking lot because we weren't going to start on like Marsha Sharp. We went to the Kmart parking lot and he got behind the wheel and he goes, I'm a little scared. I said, me too. <laughs> but he's doing great. He aced his, drive, you know, his driving test. Like he aced parallel parking. I don't think I could have done good on parallel parking. Who parallel parks anyway, right? Anyway, we're off the track. But here's the thing. Hey, here's the thing. What if, I said, what if Luke goes, you know what? Those stop signs, they're not for me. That's just for everybody else. Those yield signs, those paths with cares, those aren't for me. Those are for everybody else. Well, here's the thing. If Luke does not obey the stop sign, it will not go well for him. It will not go well for him financially. It will not go well with his relationships with his parents, right? He will probably be restricted to the house, right? Same thing for you guys. We obey the laws on the streets because it'll go better for us. And they're not restrictive. They're protective, in the same way, the same thing is true of God's law. He wants what's best for us. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you meditate? Will you engage? Will you allow the roots of his law and his instructions? Really, it's his, I hate to use, use the word law because it just, basically, it's like, hey, here's the boundaries. Here's the guardrails. It's going to give you freedom. If you will just listen, let it permeate you, let it marinate in your heart, let it affect your finances, your relationships, all these areas of your life. 
spiritually, emotionally, your identity, your vocation, your parenting, your teams. James 1.22 says it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We are masters of self-deception. Let's just be honest. That's the sin inside of us. Hey, I know better than everybody else. I feel this way, so it must be true, right? Our feelings are deceptive. It feels good, I can do it. Everybody else is doing it, right? We are masters of self-deception. Be aware. It's why we have to continually allow the roots of God's truth to seep into our hearts and into our minds. We are being influenced. James goes on to say this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that what gives freedom and continues in it, continues in it, continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be, say it with me, blessed, hear, and do. Continue in God's word. There's a transformational process. There's a maturing process. There's an enduring process when we engage with God and the things of God. We've got to hear and do. And it is to our advantage in life. Again, our relationships, our finances, our parenting, our marriages, how we work for someone, how someone works for us. Sexually, all these ways. God's like, hey, it'll go better for you if you'll just, you know, stay within the white lines. He wants to give you the blessed life, the life that is to your advantage. But here's the thing. You've got to start by starting. Not on Sundays for one hour. It's got to be a continually enduring process that we've got to trust God, love God, trust Him ruthlessly, and then invite others to follow God with us. That's it. Love God, love people. But you've got to do something practically. And allow his love to take residence in your heart. To allow him to move in. To change you. In all areas. And like I said, for some of you, you need to change residences today. You need to invite him in. But ultimately, it's a trust issue. Will we trust what God says is true? For the blessed life. Why don't we stand together and pray? I want you guys to go ahead and just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm just going to talk for a minute and then I'm going to give you just a second to reflect and talk to God yourself. For some of you this morning, you feel like you've been down the wrong path. And what I want to tell you, you are one step away from turning your face toward God and being with him. He wants to give you the blessed life, a life that is to your advantage. You just need to turn your face toward him, to invite him, to commit to him, to trust him.
He wants you to have the blessed life. He is pursuing you. He loves you. What is the one thing, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your faith journey this morning, maybe you've been walking with God a long time, maybe you're still not sure about your faith, what is the one thing you could do today to engage with God? What is one step? What is one friendship? What is one thing you could read? What is one invitation? What is one relationship you might need to sever today? Heavenly Father, your word is powerful and convicting and challenging. It's as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago because the human nature is the same. We want to drift. We want to do what's easiest or comfortable. And yet you want, you, you want to give us the blessed life, a life that is to our advantage. If we will continually choose you. Help us to have the courage this morning to step in, to step toward you, whatever that looks like. Not just for today, but for next week and next month and ongoing. Maybe it's giving, maybe it's serving, maybe it's confessing, maybe it's beginning a new relationship or ending one or inviting some folks to help us walk with God. Whatever it is, I pray that we would have the courage to do it this morning. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank thank you that you want us to have the blessed life. Help us as we follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You guys are dismissed. Thanks for being here. I'll be down front if you'd like to visit. Have a great afternoon. I get